With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Makes it a two-point game. Here's your mismatch right here. Now it's Luka. Deep three on the Welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato. I'm Dave DeFore. Yeah, Dave DeFore. Yeah, yeah. Dave DeFore is here. You're sometimes co-host. Right, right. Sometimes co-host. Like it's almost a, a running bit to see how much I can just stop it down uh, to start with, and, and I think that's the most effective one yet. Just not saying anything. The next show, you're just gonna be like, "Hey, yeah." <laughs> I mean, honestly, though, that that is kind of how the season feels, right? At this point, we all are. Wow, we are. Well, this is what I do for a living, Tim. Yeah, see, you're a professional podcaster. I'm just doing (laughs) the intros as oddly as possible until someone says, "Oh no, we actually need like the name of the podcast." So so far, I haven't got there yet. Still, seven minutes in heaven. I'm still Tim Cato. And we're still talking about the Mavericks, believe it or not, um, even as I ruined your your wonderful transition again. The, that's okay. That's, that's the professional of you coming out. And we're talking about the Mavericks, but we're really only talking about like half of the team because the other half is, you know, on on this health and safety protocols. It's been a weird season already for, for just the league in general. Um, the last few weeks in particular have just been... I, I don't know. It's the strangest. Yikes. It's yikes. yeah. Yikes yeah. is a good yeah, yeah. It's a good way to put it. And I don't want to make light of this, right? Um, because there's a lot of positive COVID tests out there, and of course, you know, I want everybody to get through this and and to be healthy and safe. But watching these teams, like the Mavericks, the Mavericks have been playing without three starters for the last few few games, and it's just. You know, you, you see people on Twitter in particular with their, well, I just watched the Mavericks one game. Is this the team? Wow. Luca fooled you guys in the bubble. It's like, okay, <laughs> let's let's relax. Let's pump the brakes. And uh, Tim, you and I were talking before the show. We figured you can't take away a ton of information from what we've watched the last week or so, and maybe even a little bit longer, to be honest with you. But we can take away some positives. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we were talking before the show. We basically agreed that, you know, we'll talk for the two minutes that we just have to set up the fact that things are weird, that our takeaways are not as definite or permanent as they might be in a different circumstance. And then we'll just try to go the rest of the show without mentioning the fact that they've played without, you know, like five, you know, there have been games where they have had five of their eight rotation players missing that you guys know i mean this is this is not a this is not a news podcast this is a uh this is a i think everyone's very aware that uh you know it's a it's an unavoidable difficult situation roundly being faced by the team and, and now now we're just thinking 
you know, and I, I think everybody's hoping that the players are back. But in the meantime, we'll we'll just do our best to to just say some nice things about the players who actually have been on the court. Um, I think Kristaps is is the obvious starting point. He he made his debut last week. He looks good. He looks healthy. You know, like obviously mm-hmm. he's a little rusty, and and uh, you know that's going to take some time. You know, he's he's going to get the ball stripped when he tries to back down someone in the post and doesn't realize that there's a help defender right behind him. Like, you know, just some of the, 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 the rust things is, is almost like a, like he doesn't have a spatial awareness back yet. You know, his jump shot is probably maybe a little clunkier or some of his mechanics and movements and, and all that. But uh, overall, in terms of the way he looks athletically and physically great, great. And, and it's what I expected, but, you know, until you see him back on the court, you, you don't know for sure. So I, I think that's by far the most positive, encouraging thing that's happened for the Mavericks over the past week or so. Yeah. Um, 18 and a half, eight rebounds. That's that's a pretty good way to bounce back. Uh, he's not getting to the line and he's not he's not driving to the hoop. So he's not getting guys off their feet and, and trying to take advantage of the mismatch yet. So you can see he's kind of easing back in. And but I think defensively he's looked better than on the offensive end. The shots really just aren't falling yet. Um, only shooting forty two percent from the field. So I I think that it's important to note that defensively he has been extremely active and, and looks healthy. Pretty clear that he's just working off some rust. Yeah, yeah, I I fully agree with the defensive side. I think he looks great there. I think you're right. I hadn't like you know, consciously notice that, that, you know, he wasn't driving as much, I guess, because it, it looks like he could, or it looks like he's able, he just doesn't mm-hmm. know where to find his spots anymore. So I, I don't, I don't think it's a, it's physical limitation so much as, um, or even like a lack of comfort. I don't, I don't think it's those things. I, I think it's just, you know, he doesn't know where to find the spots. Also, the team has no spacing right now. They have absolutely no spacing. Lucas said it after, um, after uh, their game on Monday against Toronto, that every time he tried to drive the ball, there was four players in the paint. Mm-hmm. KP seeing the same things. Although the team didn't lose its like best shooters, like KP and, and Hardaway are those two players. I I do think that you know there is a downgrade going from Maxi Kleba and Dorian Finney-Smith, two average shooters who will hold you accountable. Uh, you know at, at the very least, uh, you know there's a difference going from those players to James Johnson, Wes Wundu, and Josh Green taking mm-hmm. a bulk of the shots and really don't forget like it's not just about the fact that they're taking a couple threes a game they're the ones providing the spacing they're the ones every possession on the court to like determining how close the defense actually has to guard them and so that in turn of course you know just everything sinks everything uh, kind of collapses into the middle and Luca keeps seeing that. And, uh, you know, he did as well as he could against Toronto on Monday on short rest. And I, I mean, it's tough. It's tough. I, again, we're, we're going to stay more positive than, than not. But, yeah. you know, I think that's just one of the circumstances like, that is good. unavoidable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Forcing for sure. looks good physically. I, I think that's a good sign. Luca looks pretty good. I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, still uh, just. Was it 36, 16, 15? Yeah, it just, keeps on, just keeps on trucking. And, and, you know, something that a lot of people are starting to pick up on is the fact that Luca's defense uh, is pretty good. And it, this is not just a little blip last season pre-hiatus. It was not a bubble blip. Like, this is a real thing. This is how he's going to defend. And it, it's more than just basketball IQ and, and being in the right place at the right time and defending with his feet. He's efforting quite a bit 
defensively, and obviously he's a fantastic rebounder. But the defensive end, with with Luca defending this way, and the rest of the team defending around him, if they can figure out a way to get something approximating last year's offense, this team's going to go to the conference finals. Yeah. If they're a top five defense for real, which they may not be, but I'm thinking that they're a top ten defense, and we know they're going to be a top ten offense. That's something, man. This that's a team that's poised to do some stuff in the playoffs. I mean, with all the troubles they have had this season, they are seventh defensively. And, and, and pretty amazing by, by defensive rating. Yeah, that's that's really impressive. You know, without Porzingis, which is going to be the building block, the center building block of your defense, Richardson, Finney Smith, uh, Kleba, three very important pieces of that. Uh, three players who haven't uh, been available for five games now. Uh, four games now, something like that. But yeah, no, I, I am, I am, uh, frankly, surprised, a little surprised. I, I didn't think it would be this good. I, I thought that the defense would creep upwards and the offense would creep downwards. But I still thought the offense was was going to be, you know, the driving force behind this team. And it still and may be when they get it still full may strength. Be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do wonder. It does feel like they're missing one rotation player. This is something uh, I'm I'm writing about, and uh, I've said it a few times over you know in the off season and then again you know maybe a, a few weeks into the season uh it's something that i'm i'm putting in a piece that's going to go out wednesday uh, a conversation with uh, mike pellucci uh our uh, our favorite co-host of this podcast no response yeah no i have no response i have no response <laughs> the the roster doesn't give as much ability to put different looks on the floor because there are Multiple sets of players who are very matchy. Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson and Trey Burke do similar things. Wessel Wundu and Josh Green do similar things. And even to an extent, Willie Cauley-Stein and Dwight Powell do similar things. And then you have three rookies who are clearly not ready in, uh, in Terry, Bay, and Hinton. You have Boban, who's a very situational player. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I don't want to overreact to this moment in time where the roster is is just fully decimated just missing rotational players it, it does seem like it, there isn't just as there, there isn't as much uniqueness and and it's not something i identified in the offseason per se i i did think they needed another guard who with, with like more point creative ability than mm-hmm. than what brunson and and uh and burke would bring but <coughs> nate hinton <coughs> <laughs> he did get a he did get a very early run out on Sunday for a few minutes. Didn't do anything from my recollection, and but he's he's someone who I think will get some more chances going mm-hmm. forwards. But again, this is a this is an undrafted rookie, and I as I I am optimistic about him. I yeah. think a lot of people are. It still feels like the team either when it is able to do something different, it, it's able to do something different with similar archetypes of players. That, that does concern me a little bit. You know, like it's not just that Seth Curry left and, and Seth Curry alone is was such a valuable fundamental piece to the team, although clearly he was important. But he was a totally unique player for the roster. Um, I, I right. think just an obvious person to look at it. It's not just that they miss Seth Curry. It's that they miss a like shooting scoring like an like like how many uh, knockdown shooters are on the team now? It's, it's Hardaway and, and Porzingis. And, and that does make me wonder a little bit about how much the spacing is going to be affected, even when the full team is assembled again, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So that's well, not actually where I meant to go with this, but uh, I'm curious to see what you what, what well, you think on that. 
you know, they, they address one of their glaring needs by just adding all that athleticism on the wing. You know, they really needed that, and they addressed it quickly. It's just a bunch of guys who mostly at this point just aren't NBA players yet. Not, I'm not talking about a Wundu or, or James Johnson, but, you know, the young guys that they've got. They're just not ready to contribute on a team that, you know, is ready to make a little bit of noise in the playoffs. But I think in a couple of years, they're going to they're gonna benefit from that. So I could see them potentially being in the market for a 3 and D guy. It's just that there's just not a ton of those guys out there because they're the most sought-after commodity in the league behind superstar players. And so is there a disgruntled star out there that, that the Mavericks might be able to go out and get instead of a 3 and D guy? See, now that's where my head starts to go. Like, are they ready to start pushing – other chips into the table and, and what chips are they willing to push into the table? Like, are we going to see them potentially with a Brooklyn, like here are our next four picks and four pick swaps situation where they go for a guy like not James Harden, but let's say the next James Harden. That's where my head keeps going. They could use one more of those guys if they can't get a three and D guy, you know, with, with what they have. Yeah. I mean, the only name that is even remotely seems on the radar that would interest me is Bradley Beal. But and I, that I would be I, insane. Yeah, I, I also just don't think that it would. You know, I don't think they have the level of what Brooklyn offered. I think that others others would do more. Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting. It's interesting to think about. It's we'll 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 think more about this in the in the coming well, months. Eight years of draft picks from the Mavericks just aren't that valuable because they're going to have Luka Doncic for the right. majority of that time, at least. If not right. all of it, so you know you're going to have a certain a certain floor, and uh, those picks aren't valuable. Whereas when you look at Brooklyn and what they gave up, you know the players that they have are, are older. Who knows if Kevin Durant is even going to be there in two years, much less you know five years from now when those picks are are really going to be valuable. So um, that's one of the that's kind of one of the things that's going to hold them back. I think is just that lack of tangible assets to go out and get a guy, you know, like not Danny Green, but someone like Danny Green. Like if Wes Matthews was available, would they be able to go get him? Probably not. I just don't, I don't think that they've got the pieces to go out and get one of those guys. Right, not right. That the Lakers case, are moving Wes Matthews, but that yeah, yeah. In, in this case, you're, you're talking like literally draft capital in terms mm-hmm. of like future picks and stuff. This is not a situation where we're even, you know, Saying players, the Mavericks yeah. didn't draft right or something. Oh Although, no, I think they drafted very well. Yeah, yeah, and I, I am, I am optimistic about every rookie they have. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it would be nice, and I don't want to get too short sighted. It would be nice to have Desmond Bain on the team right now. He would be playing a lot of minutes. He, he would mm-hmm. be a, a, a different, uh, just a different skill set, a different archetype. Like I was saying before, than, than anybody else they have on the roster, but. They don't. So I, I, again, we don't. We don't have to to dwell on that one. Um, <laughs> this this this. <laughs> uh, we don't have to talk about Desmond Bain, even though I'm going to bring him up every other episode. You know, but we don't have to talk about Desmond Bain and how great yeah, yeah, just, how great Desmond Bain would be on the Dallas Mavericks. He's shooting 48 percent on threes. Yeah, we don't have to talk about that though. <laughs> Tim's just going to bring it up every week. This has been one of the weirdest weeks of basketball for a team that anybody covers. I mean, it's just there is no way to have any sort of tangible takes on the team. And so you've got to dig into these individual players to see what people are doing well. And then what we're thinking is, well, how's it going to look when you add Josh Richardson, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Maxi Kleba? 
it's going to be pretty nice. Yeah. And and I, I, I think we're seeing some of the li- limitations of Willie Cauley-Stein, but we're also seeing where he's benefiting from being with Porzingis and how different that that pairing is than than when he's out there with Maxi. I mean, honestly, this little stretch without those guys has given me more hope for how it's all going to work when it's together because they're still defending so well without three of their better defenders. I, I think that there are a lot of positives to take, but it's just it's a weird way to get there. Yeah, I think Colley Stein is a good example of a player that we should um, resist grading too harshly yep. because he is absolutely being overextended into a role that was not expected for him or is not ideal for him. I think all the good things we've seen, we saw from Colley Stein and, you know, as, as he quickly broke into the rotation in the opening weeks, I would rather dwell on that than, you know, really criticize him for on the second night of a back-to-back, you know, just not being right. at his best or, or you know, doing doing stuff that is is more uh, more of the typical, stereotypical what we thought Kali Stein is, just a player who, you know, is is doing things that are going to make his coaches just, you know, just going to drive them insane. So we, we've seen a little bit of that in, in the past few games, and, and I, I think that I'm I'm just waiting what what happened earlier and and, and still seeing good things happen with Kali Stein on the floor. You know, I, I do think that you know even even in these past few games, he looks like a more um, polished version of his former selves. Um, I, I think it's fair to say. So I, I think that's you know that's an example of a, a positive that that shouldn't be weighed down by these by these uh the, just these weirdo you know mat ex, exhibition. I mean, they, they feel like preseason games. They really do. Well, Tim, as we kind of wrap up, look, I, I think that we should also point out the role players on this team. They have done pretty well given the increased workload and, again, the the weird rotation the last, last week or so. James Johnson is every bit the pickup that you and I thought he would be and has been working perfectly in that, in that hybrid wing role. I think James Johnson, they may keep him around. He might be a guy who's in their playoff rotation. Yeah, I mean, it, he 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 brings the obvious spacing issues. You know, he is one of one of the uh, contributors to the reason the spacing isn't what it is. But that's amplified because you know they're they're playing Wes Awundu and Josh Green, and, and like I was saying, you know, they part of that is just the situation they're in. Uh, I, I would like to see him screen more. I want to I want to see him set picks a little more often than he is, and not just you know be you know hopefully be a you know we saw that we we've seen a lot more hard doubles on on Luca. We've seen a box and uh, box and one defense on Luca. We've seen clear examples of of teams just saying we don't want it in your hands, Luca, because you're good and your teammates are doing their best, and it's their best. Just you know, it's not it's not what Luca. Bless doing. their hearts. So bless their hearts. So yeah, I, I, I feel like I feel like that's the perfect Josh James Johnson role is is yeah. putting him in those screens and slipping it to him, and and I think I think that's a good example. But yeah, they should be watching Steph Curry, Draymond Green. Yeah, exactly. But but all things considered, yeah, I, I think that he, Johnson is, is settling into that role. He struggled to create two pointers for himself uh, in the first couple of weeks of the the season. Uh, that was a mild concern. I, I think I've seen a lot. I've seen more progress there. Um, that that he's just kind of more of a well rounded offensive player while still doing his his point forward stuff, uh, which is which is certainly useful uh, for for all the reasons we kind of laid out. You know, just the idea that they're very like minded players, like you know, like Brunson and Burke. Johnson is not like anybody else on the roster. He is all, all, uh, really unlike most players in the NBA. Um, 
I, I think that's why he has value, just because what he allows you to do, even even if there's some games where, you know, you're going to play him for eight minutes, he doesn't really work, and you try something else. Like, that's fine, but he allows you to try much different things on the court, depending on where you pair him in a lineup. You could put him at, at the three, you could put him at the five, you can put him at the four, you can use him as a screener, you can use him as a, as a ball handler. There's a lot you can do with him as a player, and even if... You know, just his efficiency isn't quite as high as you want. His three-point shooting isn't quite as dangerous as as would be preferred. I think that's where his value comes in. It's just the, the uniqueness and, and you know, just, it just kind of like increases the metaphorical playbook than, than like actually calling plays. But he increases the playbook by, you know, he just like doubles it. He adds like 30 more pages to the end. And I think for Rick Carlisle, that, that is a incredibly useful type of player to have on the bench. Uh, so yeah, I agree. I, I don't know if he sticks into a playoff rotation. I, I don't know anything. Like it's, it feels so far away from this team even being assembled at full health for me to try to predict things like that. But I don't think it's impossible. A- anybody else stand out to you? Uh, I think Trey Burke has been great. When the Mavs are going well, Trey Burke looks great, and when they're not going well, Trey Burke is just out there. He's. I, I tweeted this, but he's the most binary three point shooter I've ever seen. It feels like like a little basketball god in the sky. Does a random number generator one two or there's zero one zero one? If it's zero, he's not going to shoot hit threes. If it's one, like it's he's just going to be on that night. It's just like he's more likely to go zero of ten or nine of ten than five of ten in mm-hmm. any scenario. And I just think that's very funny. Yeah, I, I like I like uh, a one do off the bench. Uh, you know when it, when this team is totally healthy, um, I, I think adding some of that length on the wing. I mean, it's just it's very important for them. In particular, because I, I just don't know if Josh Green is is really ready to to contribute to winning. Uh, he's certainly out there and, and active, and I like a lot of the activity that he has, um, but it's not equaling production yet. Yeah, yeah. Green Green has had moments where he's mm-hmm. he is better, but um, yeah, I would say I want to do some more polished player of the two. If, if yeah. I if I had to, um, yeah. Them playing together is an absolute act of desperation by the team. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, I think the, they, it was a, it was a, a lineup with Luca and then it was a one do green, James Johnson and Trey Burke. And I was just like, when, when Luca gave his, you know, every time I drive, there's four people in the paint, you know, I, I knew exactly which lineup he was talking about <laughs> because that one, you know, it, it's, it's an, it was an interesting experiment to try. Did you go super just fully athletic and, and no, true big man you know johnson as your nominal big man and you know i thought it was worth running out there but it did not did not really i bet we'll see i I bet we'll see something similar again like yeah but just it would not just with their starters with right right exactly richardson with finney smith with you know like they're they're Mm -hmm. possible starting five i think it's more likely at this point that a big man ends up getting paired with with porzingis in the starting five it you know those those lineups looked really good you know the two big men lineups looked really good even before Porzingis' return, but but certainly you know we've we've talked a lot about how a potential starting lineup is is Finney Smith, Hardaway, Richardson, and Doncic, and then Porzingis as as the lone big man. And if you wanted to take you know Porzingis out and make your first sub James Johnson or someone, you could make an even smaller, more athletic, more more frantic type team and type lineup out there. Um, so so yeah, no, I think I think you're definitely right that you know we we will see. Is it true hoop? Is it, it what, what's the what's the um, what's what's the thing about how the modern like mo- modern basketball will be just like five, six, seven players? Oh, that's the Dave Dufour. 
that is your thing too. There's that is my there's thing. There's something. Yeah. There's something else I'm thinking of that that it's an old yeah. uh, Henry Abbott thing. I know. I know that for sure. But. Sure. Yeah. I think anyone who's watched the league, uh, you know, for any amount of time, has seen the increase in importance of skill. Like there's a lot of people who who think that it's about going small. The truth is it was never about going small. It was skill ball. It wasn't small. Draymond Green may be 6'5 or 6'6, but he plays seven feet tall. You know, the guy has incredible length. He's a super athlete. He's one of the strongest players in the league. And he ha- happens to be able to play like a guard. Yeah, he's like seven foot and six foot at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's what it was about. It was about versatility and skill. It was about having a very unique Swiss Army knife. And so the teams that just said, all right, well, we're going to take a guy who's usually a four and we're going to play him at the five. And now we're the Warriors. Well, that's not how it works. And, and because being tall ultimately is great in the NBA. This is why Kevin Durant is so freaking tough. Yes, he's an otherworldly shooter, but part of that is because he's seven feet tall. He was an alien sent to this planet to destroy the game of basketball. You can't solve that. And, and, you know, obviously Dirk Nowitzki was the, like one of the originators of that. And so, you know, going small is less about going small and more about going skill. And so if you can add a guy like James Johnson and his skill set and his athleticism, to the guys that you already have out there and play smaller, but still maintain a level of physicality that you're going to get with James Johnson toughness, but you've got the shooting. You've got a little bit of his ability to operate in the short role. It does open up a lot of stuff for them. And, and, you know, I think that given what we saw out of this team last year, when it was shorthanded minus Porzingis, and and now you see what it's going to look like with these guys like Josh Richardson and Dorian Finney-Smith playing together and defensively what they're going to be able to do. Once they're at full strength, the lineup combinations are pretty limitless. And I still am with you. I think that they're one guy short as far as a 3 and D type of guy goes. Um, but that being said, they still are pretty close to to a team that I think should be competing to to make the Western Conference Finals. They're close. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a kind of perfect way to end it. And, and just to to bring something I was talking about earlier to a conclusion, you know, the, this like you said, this team with Luca and KP have two completely unique players. We, we've talked about this so many times. And so when I when I kind of point to these these pairings that are similar and the idea that the the end of the bench does is very similar, it's absolutely mitigated by the fact that you know the the stars that they do have are just impossible you know just completely unique unicorn skill set you know unprecedented abilities and, and all those things so you know I, I think that the way that you know this thing I'm, I'm kind of almost talking out on air is it manifests itself is 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 at the end of the bench and is more of a feeling that oh one more player is needed one one different type of wing shooter guard playmaking just somebody who does something a little bit different uh would, would be a big help but you know i i think that it it would certainly it's certainly less of an issue um or 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 it's as small of an issue as it is because of the players you have in your starting five absolutely well that it for this week i think so i think so that was um all over the place but uh hopefully a good 30 minutes of mavericks talk and we will be back next week with uh, approximately 30 more minutes of mavericks talk and uh we'll see you guys then oh my god oh!
as a wrap.